Wow. Just wow. After what we saw at Miami, this truly is the best season so far. Let's talk about it and so much more. What is going on, everyone? My name is J-Mac, and welcome to the Wave Around. I am live on the road from Florida. Yes, that's right. I am here in Florida, enjoying this rain, enjoying this sunny weather. I tell you what, it is about 10 times a lot better than being in the cold that is the Midwest. I'd like to thank you so, so very much for joining me on this Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. All right, I think after what we have seen, not only this weekend at Homestead Miami, but also the past two weekends at what I am calling the Florida Swing, that this is most definitely an excellent start to what will truly be a great NASCAR season. We not only saw the return of the Choose Rule, which by the way is awesome, I enjoy having the option for drivers to choose what lane they want to start on restarts. But we also saw the return of the bread and butter of NASCAR that is mile and a half tracks. But most importantly, we may have just seen the igniting of the competitive fire that will be known as Willie B's breakout year. But before we discuss all of that, I would like to take this time right now to acknowledge all the great support that this podcast has received and is continuing to receive. Your support means everything to me, and I just want to thank you. If you are new to the podcast and and this is your first time listening, hey, welcome. This podcast is just a perspective of NASCAR from my mind, the mind of an everyday average Joe, hardworking family man. I do not claim to be a guru at all. I am not a guru at all. But I promise you that I will always bring my best every week. Well, last week I was not at my best. I was battling a very, very bad sinus infection and a cold due to the Arctic freeze that we were experiencing in the Midwest. But hey, that is all past. And I can say I am definitely back to 100% now that we have gotten past all those damn formalities. Let us talk about what we all saw at the Dixie Vodka 400. Let us all start off with what I call the absolute slaughtering of our national anthem. If you did not catch the national anthem or any of the pre-race ceremonies, consider yourselves incredibly lucky. In fact, my ears are still bleeding from that butchering. It reminded me of a bunch of stray cats in the alleyway fighting over a single mouse or a single play toy. If you don't know, the singer was Sarah Stiles, who plays the super whiny, annoying character Beth on the extremely cringe show entitled The Crew on Netflix. Let me tell you about this show, all right? The crew stars Kevin James, who plays a character called Kevin. Wow. Wow, such great originality in the character name. He is the crew chief of a fictional racing team called Bobby Spencer Racing, who has probably the most idiotic driver in the world of motorsports, real 
or fictional. I mean, hey, when I first saw the previews, I was like, hey, I'm going to give the show a chance. Hell, I even went as far as to promote it on all my social media. But, you know, just after a few episodes, I just could not stand it anymore. It not only gives NASCAR a bad image, but just the acting is horrible. There's forced laugh tracks that you can just tell that there is no studio audience whatsoever. The jokes aren't even funny, and these these laugh tracks are laughing. I mean, the acting is so, so bad that daytime soap operas are Oscar-worthy compared to this show. Anyways, this Sarah lady, she apparently has been nominated for some Tony Awards for some Broadway productions. I mean, I don't know what type of Broadway productions these are, but... If she sings anything like she did at the National Anthem, remind me never to buy tickets to that Broadway show. She had these just like these super cringeworthy, annoying facial expressions, and her off-key singing would make every single judge on America's Got Talent push the red X button. I mean, don't get me wrong. At all. Don't get me wrong at all. I absolutely love the fact that NASCAR still honors America. And they still do the national anthem. And they still do a prayer. And they still do that stuff. But come on. You're telling me in the entire world of entertainment that there was nobody better that could have sang the national anthem? I mean, if we wanted to butcher it that bad, we should have called Carl Lewis or Roseanne to come give their excellent renditions of the national anthem if you don't know what i'm talking about go look it up on youtube and you won't be disappointed hell at this point i would have even taken fergie to sing her little jazzy rendition of the national anthem like she did a few years ago at the nba all-star game but i mean that is what it is you know at least they still sing the national anthem and i mean if that wasn't enough to make your eyes roll they bring out Tua, whatever his name is, the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins and of Alabama Crimson Tide fame, uh, fame for all you Roll Tide fans out there or whatever. They brought him out to give the command to start engines. Now, I understand that NASCAR is looking to bring in some new fans, but when it comes to giving the command, I want someone that's going to be motivating. I want someone... That's going to get the crowd pumped with energy. Now, I know there was like maybe, what, 25-50% crowd out there. But still, you could have gotten the crowd pumped up a little bit more. I mean, let's talk about his over-the-top dramatics of pretending to be on the football field, calling a play, asking for the ball to be snap, uh, snapped with his hut, 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 here we go, here we go, hut, hut, hut. No, it was just a little too much for me, NASCAR. Yes, I know it's Miami, and he's like the Miami Dolphins quarterback. But come on, NASCAR. You had the perfect opportunity to bring in Mr. 305 himself, a.k.a. Mr. Worldwide, Pitbull. Yes, Pitbull. NASCAR, it's not like it was hard to bring in Pitbull. You know, you could have just looked down in the owner section and saw him because he is now a co-owner of Trackhouse Racing. So you could have been like, hey, Mr. Worldwide, people love you here in Miami. Why don't you get that crowd pumped up? 
You know, they could even got Trick Daddy. They could have gotten DJ Khaled to be like, another one, or something like that. But no, they go with Tua Tugalugaluga, or whatever his name is. I'm not trying to make fun of his name. I just don't know how to pronounce it. NASCAR. You know, I tr- I applaud you for trying to bring in new people, trying to bring in more diversity, more of an audience to watch um, your events. But these two choices for the National Anthem and the Command to Start Engines just did not do it for me. And I'm sure it did not do it for a lot of people out there watching. Um, I was looking on social media and people were agreeing with me. Like, who is this lady with the weird 1980s perm just butchering up our National Anthem? And why is this quarterback guy doing these crazy, crazy commands? Just say, driver, start your engines, but do it motivating. You know? It kind of sounds like I'm starting to rant, but I'm not. I'm just going over what I saw and what I thought of the pre-race ceremonies. Oh, all right, enough enough with those pre-race ceremonies. Let us talk the race because that's why we're here. That's why you tuned in. That's why I'm doing this podcast show is because we are going to talk the race. You got to love the fact that at Miami, there is no preferred groove. You can race the high groove. You can race the middle. You can race down by the apron. You can be a wall runner. You can do it all because it is my Miami. To start off, we saw Steve Letarte making his return to the pit box for a one-off deal as the crew chief for Corey LaJoy. LaJoy's regular crew chief was chilling at home for some COVID-19 protocols or something. Or That's what they said on TV. So I was like hoping that this was going to be a permanent gig so that we could all not have to hear Steve Letarte in the booth for the second half of the season. But as we will soon find out, I guess we're not going to be that lucky. If you did not watch the race Saturday, Denny Hamlin's tire character, tire carrier... (laughs) excuse me, was good to go after a scary incident where Daniel No Talent Hemrick knocked him down coming into pit road. Uh, they said they were, you know, they took him to the hospital, to have some x-rays. I guess he has some bruised ribs, but otherwise he is good to go. Speaking of Denny Hamlin, he did have the pole, but NASCAR was just doing a little walk through the pit road, I guess, before the race started. Look closely at Mr. Denny Nice PJ's Hamlin's car and was like, you know what? I don't like what I see. Let's let's just scrutinize it a little bit more, shall we? So apparently they saw something they didn't like and they're like, yo, Hamlin, bro, you've got to go to the back of the pack. Sorry, buddy. It is just not your day. We're going to let Christopher Bell be the poll leader today. Hamlin, goodbye. Yeah. NASCAR. I mean, I don't know what they were doing. They just like, like, oh man, look at this. Oh, I see something glistening in the sun. Let's look at it. I mean, whatever. They didn't really state what it was. They might have, and I missed it. But who cares? It's Denny Hamlin. Anyways, let's get back to the race, Sally. Stage one was the Chris Busher show. The Prosper Texas native. That's right. The proud native of Prosper, Texas. I love it to see fellow Texans out there 
doing it and doing it big. Anyways, the Prosper Texas native had speed and looked to be a contender for the entire race. He goes on to win stage one and he leads for 57 laps in the race, causing such a fury on social media that everywhere I looked there was proclamations that Roush Fenway Racing was back and they were back being competitive and they were here to stay. Watch out NASCAR world. As we all saw ultimately later on in the race, he faded late and would finish 19th. Mr. William Byron made his presence known. He started 32nd, and he comes to finish stage one in fourth. That would be just the beginning of the domination of William Byron. Your stage one top ten were number one, Chris Buescher, and second was Brad Keselowski, third was Martin Truex Jr., fourth, William Byron, fifth, Alex Bowman, sixth, Kyle Larson, seventh, Joey Logano, eighth, Chase Elliott, ninth, Kurt Busch, and tenth, Austin Dillon. I count all four Hendrick Motorsports drivers in the top ten to finish stage one. You know I was excited. I was pumped. I was like, this is our day. Somebody from HMS is going to take home this win. They better do it. Because the way they were looking was like, we've got our mile and a half program figured out now. We are here to dominate. We are here to show them boys that this is our year. Like we did in the 2000s. Stage 2, we saw some back and forth battles. It was great. People were just all over different grooves trying to find speed. Trying to take home the win. There was so many battles for the lead. And the other positions within the top 10. During Stage 2, it looked as if Martin Truex Jr. was going to dominate. He had the speed in the long green flag runs. But once that final restart to end the stage happened, William Byron would come all the way from the second row and score the stage win. That was the continuation of what we would later on see, the clinic of William Byron. Your stage two results were William Byron coming in first. Coming in second was Denny Hamlin. Third, Kurt Busch. Fourth, Martin Truex Jr. Fifth, Kyle Larson. Sixth, Chris Busher. Seventh, Kevin Harvick. Eighth, Ryan Blaney. Ninth, Alex Bowman. And in tenth, Brad Keselowski. Stage three was just a clinic by William Byron. I mean, come on. This guy ultimately led a race-high 102 laps. I mean, at one point, he just had a five-second lead on the rest of the field. Dude was just taken off. There was nobody, I mean, nobody that could catch this guy. He was just out there on a Sunday drive through the country jamming on some tunes. I mean, who was going to catch him? Reddick might have had a chance. I mean... To be honest, if there if was there like a late caution, yes, Reddick would have maybe have had the win, or maybe if there's like fifteen to twenty more laps to go, then Reddick might have caught him. But there was nobody gonna catch William Byron. He was not gonna be denied. He was going for that win, and guess what? He got it for career win number two, putting the twenty four car back in victory lane. Your final top 10 results for the clinic of William Byron were in first, William Byron. Second, we saw Tyler Reddick, who was disappointed because he could not get a, 
America free chicken tenders at Cheddar's. In third, we saw Martin Truex Jr. Fourth, Kyle Larson. Fifth, Kevin Harvick. In sixth, Michael McDowell. In seventh, Ryan Newman. Eighth, Kurt Busch. Ninth, Alex Bowman. And tenth, Kyle Busch. With that win, William Byron gives Hendrick Motorsports their 264th win. You heard that right, their 264th win. This also extends their record-setting pace to 36 consecutive seasons. Yes, you heard that right, 36 consecutive seasons with a win. Wow. I must say that I was not expecting this start to this season as we have seen in just the first three races. I mean, come on. We've had three different types of races to start the season. We go from a super speedway to a road course to a mile and a half. I mean, hell, if they would have added on a short track for next week, it would have been perfect. Four different varieties in just the first four races. I mean, Fox and NASCAR are truly living up to the name when they say that this is the best season ever. Because, damn, it is definitely shaping out that way. I mean, in just the first two races alone, we saw two first-time winners. Then we move on to Homestead Miami, in which we saw a winner that was on nobody's radar. I mean, nobody's radar. I did not pick William Byron. I thought for sure he did not have a chance after what I saw in the first two races. But, I mean, come on. Let us talk the parody that we have just seen with this one race alone. I mean, we had one team that had its first top 10 on a mile and a half track. We had a driver who led the most laps in his cup career. We had seven, yes, seven different teams placing in the top 10. Daytona 500 winner Michael McDowell finished 6th to give Front Row Motorsports its first ever top 10 at a mile and a half speedway. Ever. I mean, this organization first ran a cup race in 2005 and has ran a full-time schedule with at least two cars since 2010. Chris Buescher led 57 laps Sunday for Roush Fenway Racing. That's the most he's ever led in his 189 race career. And his teammate, Ryan Newman, scored his first top 10 finish since 2019 on a track other than Daytona or Talladega. And let's talk about those seven teams, shall we? We had seven teams that finished in the top ten. They were Hendrick Motorsports, Richard Childress Racing, Stuart Haas Racing, Front Row Motorsports, Roush Fenway Racing, and of course, Chip Ganassi Racing. Seven out of the ten spots in the top ten. Seven different teams won. That is just incredible. I mean, you cannot script that. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot script that. Let's talk about Michael McDowell and Kevin Harvick. Right now, they are the only drivers, the only drivers thus far to finish in the top 10 in the first three races. 
Let us hope that this incredible start continues as we move from the Florida Swing to the West Coast Swing next week, starting in Las Vegas. Here are your points winners, uh, leaders, with McDowell, Christopher Bell, and William Byron already locked into the playoffs. We have Denny Hamlin with 139 points, Kevin Harvick with 119 points, Joey Logano 108 points, Michael McDowell, who's already locked in, has 106 points, Chase Elliott has 105, Kurt Busch 104. Christopher Bell, 99, Kyle Larson, 97, Martin Truex Jr., 96, Brad Keselowski, 95 points, Austin Dillon, 90 points, Ryan Priest, 90 points, William Byron, 76, Cole Custer, 68, Chris Busher, 67, and Bubba Wallace, 67. We have three already locked in. Will we have another surprise winner in Las Vegas? If that's the case, this this points don't even try to get into the playoffs on points. That is my um, thoughts. That these guys points chasing right now, they don't they they just might not make it with the way the season's shaping up to be. I mean, who would have thought that William Byron would be the first to get a win out of the Hendrick Motorsports camp before the Daytona Road Course? We all thought for sure it would be Chase Elliott. I mean, come on, road course king. Everybody thought he would be the first out of HMS to get the win. And this past Sunday, there were many that thought for sure Larson might be the one to get HMS their first win of the season. But it was William Byron. I mean, come on, he was not even in the conversation for this race. As some of you may know, last year I made a bold prediction. Yes, my bold predictions have been off, and this one was off as well. Last year, I made a bold prediction that it would be William Byron's breakout year. It seems that I may have jumped the gun on that prediction. Because after what I saw this past Sunday, I would not sleep on William Byron. That's right, I'm saying it right here, right now. Do not sleep on William Byron. If Sunday was any indication of how well Byron can do on mile and a half tracks, you better watch out, NASCAR. You better watch out. I mean, hell, Hendrick Motorsports made the best decision that they could possibly make for that young man's career when they brought in Rudy Fugel, his crew chief from the truck series, as his crew chief for the cup series. As we have just seen in three races, that move has paid dividends. Way to go, William Byron. You made my nine-year-old son extremely happy because he is a huge William Byron fan. The 24 is back, baby, and it is here to stay. That's right, I said it. Oh, and in other news, in case you missed it, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Brad Kozlowski are conducting a Goodyear test Today at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. And also, Noah Gregson has absolutely no luck over there in Miami. David Starr blows a tire with like five laps left in the race. Noah looks like he's finally going to take the homestead monkey off his back, but no, crashes into him. He exchanged some words during his post-race interview. The owner of David Starr's team had some stuff to say. You've seen it all over Facebook. I'm not going to dwell on it. Guys and gals, 
This was the race review. We'll be right back with my favorite segment, NASCAR history. All right, before we get into some little NASCAR history, as I mentioned earlier, William Byron's win gave Hendrick Motorsports 264 wins. I believe they need four more, and they will tie Petty Enterprises. Jeff Gordon is leading the way with 93 wins, followed by Jimmy Johnson with 83, Terry Labonte 12, Chase Elliott 11, Tim Richmond, Daryl Waltrip, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. each had nine. Jeff Bodine had seven. Casey Kane and Mark Martin with six. Ken Schrader with five. Ricky Rudd and Kyle Busch, four. Byron and Bowman, two. Vickers, Nemechek, Mears, and Nadu. Nadu had one. And that equals 264 wins. As we all know, the next cup race is March 7th in Las Vegas. So here are your drivers that have won a cup race on the 7th of March. In 1954, Herb Thomas did it in Jacksonville, Florida. 1965, we had Junior Johnson in Richmond, Virginia. 1971, Richard Petty in Richmond, Virginia. 1976, Dave Marcis in Richmond, Virginia. And in 1993, sadly, his last win before his tragic death just a few months later, Davey Allison in Richmond, Virginia. 1999, we had Jeff Burton in Las Vegas, 2004, Matt Kenseth in Las Vegas, and in 2010, Kurt Bush in Atlanta. And that is a little bit of history for you, brought to you by The Wave Around. We'll be right back with the J-Mac rant, everybody's favorite part of the show. Stay tuned. And it's everybody's favorite part of the rant. For all you new listeners, this is the part where I touch on a subject and something that's like angering me or something that's been bothering me. And I just expand on it and I just rant about it. Kind of like, you know, sometimes you just need to let out those emotions. So that's what I do with the rants. Well, this week I've been traveling as you all may know, as I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show, I'm traveling for work. So I'm going to rant about airports and flying because it is outrageous. Like, let's start off, all right? I get to airport security, and I have pre-check, of course, so, you know, you shouldn't have to take off your shoes or your jacket or take your laptop out of your bag, all right? So I get to the security guy, the TSA guy. I show my little boarding pass. I show my ID to get on the plane or, or, you know, to, to get through security, and I tell the guy, you know, after I put my stuff on the conveyor belt, you got to walk through that little metal detector thing. I'm like, look, guy, I have steel toe shoes on, you know, because I like steel toe shoes because you never know. You might have to kick a door in or something might land on your foot. So you have to be safe, right? So I tell this guy, I'm like, look, man, I have steel toe shoes on. Is this going to set the alarm off? He's like, no, man, you're good. You're good. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I proceed to walk through said metal detector, and guess what freaking happened? 
Yes, that's right. The thing goes beep, 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 beep. He's like, sir, do you have any metal on you? Do you have anything in your pockets? I was like, no, dude, I just told you I have steel toe boots on. He's like, oh, you're going to have to take those off and put them on the conveyor belt. I'm like, are you serious? Like, dude, I just had this conversation with you. Why do I have to do this? And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't know there were still toe boots. I, I just, I, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to get in trouble because I, I have an image I have to, to protect, you know, working for the U.S. government. I have to project a professional, professional, professional demeanor. So I complied with the guy. I put my boots in the conveyor belt. I go through the security thing, and guess what? Nothing happens. You know, I, I was trying to avoid that whole situation by telling the guy, look, I have steel toe shoes on. So this thing's probably going to set the thing off, which it did. Moving on. All right. Look, I understand that COVID or whatever is a big deal and that many, many places still wear masks, including the airport because it is federal property. So the president put out a federal mandate that you have to wear masks on federal property. And being a employee of the government, I have to comply with said federal um, directives or whatnot. But I mean, come on. Wearing a mask the entire time on the airplane when no one is sitting next to you, if you haven't flown before, you have nobody next to you. Like if you're on a, a row with three seats, you have nobody next to you. And, and with me, I pick my own seats where I use my miles, you know, my air miles to upgrade to better seats. And particular seat that I had, I had nobody next to me. Um, or so I thought. Okay. Um, I sat down and this guy just comes on the plane like last. All right. And he proceeds to put his bags down on the seat next to me. I'm like, okay, he's putting them in the overhead bin. He's going to go sit down and find a seat because all the overhead bins are closed. So he's looking for room. Cool. Whatever. No, not the case. This guy proceeds to sit in the seat right next to me. I mean, when I picked my ticket, there was nobody in that row. And that's why I picked that seat. This guy sits right next to me. Like, elbows on the elbow pads. Starts coughing. Dude is sweating. And I'm like, oh crap. I'm gonna catch the COVID. I I like, I was like, what the heck is going on? This dude, I, I look behind me. There's nobody else is sitting right next to somebody. You know, you have a, a barrier between you. So, yeah. Anyways... As I was saying, going back to the mask thing, um, on my first leg, I had uh, a space between me and I had one of my coworkers sitting in the, the other seat. So we had a seat between us and it was him. And the uh, flight attendants are getting on to him because his mask is not covering his nose. And I'm like, you know, thinking to myself, we've all been, you know, tested for COVID and we've all come back negative, at least guys that I work with. So... I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, why do I have to wear this mask the entire time on this airplane? What if I want to go to sleep, you know, lean my head against the window and go to sleep with my little neck pillow thing? Why do I need a mask? You know, it's just going to make me, it's it's just going to make it hard to breathe. And at the end of said 
flights, I had the most massive headache. I mean, because, come on, I'm no scientist, but I'm pretty sure that wearing a mask all damn day, you're breathing in your own carbon monoxide, thus giving you a massive headache like I had. But it doesn't stop there, folks. No, it doesn't stop there. This trip just kept getting more interesting and interesting. We go to get a rental car, right? So we got this little program where we we book our rental cars and our tickets and hotels through, right? Anyways, we all asked for uh, sports utility vehicles, SUVs with 4x4, all right? We get to said uh, rental car company, and they are completely out of SUVs. They're like, it's going to be a while. People have called to extend. People are keeping their SUVs that they've rented from us. So after about two hours after we landed, we finally get our rental cars. And guess what? They are not four by fours like we were like we were promised, like we booked. I mean, you would think if you ask for a certain type of rental car, they would have it for you or at least upgrade. Or, hey, if they don't have it, go to one of their buddies, the other rental car companies and be like, yo, can we get some cars from you? Because let's all be honest. All these little rental car companies are the same company it's all owned by one company if you think about it just think about it closely it doesn't stop there folks we get to the luxurious the luxurious best western here in florida and this hotel is so outdated it's got furnishings it's got blankets from like the 80s it's one of those hotels that the door goes out to the parking lot definitely not what i've been used to staying in with my job but hey with my job i've stayed in some crappier places although one thing good about this place i can say is that the water pressure is amazing i know this rant really has nothing to do with nascar but i've beat up too much on all the social media uh gurus out there that think they know everything about nascar all these boomer fans or whatnot so i decided i was going to change it up a little bit i hope you guys have had better travel experiences than I have. If you've had crappy travel experiences, let me know on all the Facebook stuff on on my social media. And I would love to hear your stories. That is the JMAC rant. And we'll be right back with what I have been getting wrong for the last three weeks now. Bold predictions. All right, here we go. Bold predictions. I have been 0 for 3. Although I said watch out for Reddick, Harvick, and Larson, and they definitely finished in the top 10, but I haven't picked a winner yet. So at this point of the season, the winner could be anybody. But since I must pick, I'm going to go with somebody that has won um, Vegas before in the last couple years. So Look for Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, or hell, even Kurt Busch. Those guys have won in Vegas in the last couple years. So look for them. Like I said, it could be anybody's race. It could be a surprise winner again. It could be freaking Chris Busher might actually come out and win since he did pretty good on the last mile and a half. William Byron might just go two for two. Who knows? That's why it's a bold prediction. But those are my bold predictions. Hey, let me tell you something. If you are like me and you like Diecast, then make sure you go check out my friends over there at Circle B Diecast. 
they have everything. They have pre-orders. They have some sweet-looking die-cast in stock right now. When you check out, make sure you use the code JMAC21. That's J-M-A-C-21 in all caps for free shipping on all orders over $20. Go to CircleBDieCast.com right now and get you some sweet, sweet stuff. Well, guys, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to another episode of The Way Round. I would like to thank, once again, all the new listeners we have gained. Guys, without your support, this would not be happening. This would be very boring, and I would just not do it. So, if you like what you've heard so far and you'd like to show support and become a Patreon member, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com slash thewaveround. That is www.patreon.com slash thewaveround. If you would like to ask me a question or just ha- or just want to have a conversation about anything NASCAR related, look me up on all social media. Search and like the page The Wave Around with JMAC. Join our exclusive fan page group, also called The Wave Around with JMAC. You can join me on Instagram at The Wave Around. That is at the underscore wave underscore around, all lowercase. Make sure you get the latest and greatest news on all those social media sites. Guys, join us next Tuesday as we discuss Las Vegas. Thanks once again. Be safe, be kind, and go Chase and HMS. Peace.